0: Scott. And I'm Tom. And we are actually track walking. Literally right now. For the second time. So, Tom, we inadvertently had this idea at Blackhawk when Scott Giles messaged me like two days before. It's like, hey, I want to, I've got some things to talk about. And so we decided just on a whim, let's start the start finish line. And we like talked all the way around and we ended at the start finish line. And you know those museum, uh, guided museum tours you can do? Yeah. That's kind of exactly what we're doing. So if you start at the start-finish line of Genderman Raceway, and you're listening to this, walk at a leisurely pace, and you will be and with on your, on your right, you will see the first brake marker for turn one. Don't brake there unless you have like <laughs> no. all the horsepower. <laughs> yeah. For the love of God, do not brake at the uh, first brake marker. This is like... Sightline wise, this is my hardest corner to get because like it's coming up.
1: Are they doing rollers or something? Looks like it. Um, are we? Do you? Does everybody already know where we are? Why we're doing this? No. So it's Grid Life Midwest. Oh yeah, <laughs> <She probably> and <laughs> the last time you and I recorded a podcast, I was sitting in Ed Colazzo's basement. Yes, during COVID, I believe. Things have changed for you. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. Which I guess is why we're recording this podcast, huh?
0: Yes. Yeah, because we've we've talked about, like, re-upping on you because you were, let's say, at a transitional time in your life and in your career. Ongoing. Um, (laughs) But yes. Because it was at that point, you weren't sure, but I think you knew that Honda wasn't going to re-up on your driving seat. Yeah. Yeah. Jabay can kiss my ass. Yeah and things like you were trying to like stay positive like everyone tells and, you to and be diplomatic I mean you're you're on a recorded thing where they could find fair. you and listen to it you know totally fair yeah and you didn't get that seat and your housing situation was transitional <laughs> let's say homeless homeless <laughs> that is Adam Jubek all right um, do a draft um,
1: all the cool kids pull the e-brake into turn one in a Honda Fit. I was, I saw it on YouTube. <laughs> That's, I think they did that in the intro, didn't they? I did, they they did, <laughs> did. Yes, on the uh, the Falcon Track tune series, that was so we good. filmed the entire series in one day, and by the end, I was slap happy. Uh, you can look these up on YouTube. It's driving James Morgan's Honda Fit, yep. and I just turned into Turn One at Gingerman and yanked everything I could out of the e-brake, oh, and I got good. way more sideways than I thought I would. It really
0: <laughs> but I didn't flip. So that that's was okay. that was the last episode. Like they kind of yep. saved. It felt like they saved that one. I think I
1: think because it was the most fun to film, and I think my reaction told everybody else that this is probably the best. Uh, of every, of, you know, Tom's reaction
0: to a car and yeah. then it, it, it edited together very well. Whoa. Damn. So you might hear some booming in the background. If so, we are approaching a stage at the outside of turn two, but so since then, I mean, it's been not quite two years, a yeah. uh, year and a half where it's probably you, damn close to two years to be honest. Cause I probably had just
1: just bought the s2000 just moved up to chicago or uh, to columbus Yeah, this would have been like in October. ed's basement
0: yeah yeah things have changed things have changed What for good yeah so you went from and i want to put this as well as i can into a podcast because i can't show you air quotes <laughs> for professional racing yeah that was the last professional race that you've done right so for for a bit of context i was uh super
1: fortunate to get to race professionally for about four years i was on contract for honda yes um under various levels starting off as essentially a retainer to drive their car Mm -hmm. um and then you know it elevated to essentially my full-time job over four years and uh, my contract was from april to april and if you remember, 2020, COVID hit in late March, and most companies didn't really start to kind of get their ball rolling and figure out what they were going to do with their time, and with their employees and with their budgets and stuff until May. So my contract lapses a week later in April, <laughs> while Honda's out of out of office, everyone's out of office, and uh, when they came back in, you know, slowly kind of became very obvious, and they they told me outright, you know, we we just don't know what's going on, and we don't know what to do with you but we can't do anything right now and th- that never really changed which is you know it's it's easy to to explain that way and compartmentalize because it wasn't like i did something wrong right. or it wasn't like and, i and
0: that's i think that for me like looking on the outside that was the frustrating part maybe like you couldn't like say if you had done this better if i
1: hadn't wrecked that car right <laughs> or something like, yeah
0: like, like you couldn't point to anything other than it was a weird situation Quick question. Yeah, this is kind of the fun of these track walks. Are you still hustling all the way over to the pit outline? So if I set didn't, up for two?
1: we're we're standing past the turning point for turn two at Gingerman, and yep. if I didn't study video now to be able to truly tell people what I'm doing rather mm-hmm. than what I think I'm doing, yeah, I would tell you yes. Okay, but I realized in watching my own videos, I'm usually not hustling past walk, the grass. The grass
0: on pit out. Yep. And I'm actually pretty much mid-track there. That's what I'm seeing most people do. Yeah. Um, and what I'm finding is when I end up trying to do that, the car wants like I'm asking too much of the car, and yep. I can't really get it to take a set.
1: Yep. All the way over. And what's interesting is if you come in a in a very fast car that one is maybe less grip than power. Yeah. Like the Corvette ZR1. Um, yeah. From one lap or something. You literally come out of turn 1 and you stay right. Like you don't hustle back left. Yeah. You put your foot down, you create an acceleration zone and then you'd bomb into turn 2 as fast as you can. Yeah. Um, even even you know like a street class Evo or Subaru does that. Okay. But Tom, what are you doing a fit? Pull the e-brake, oh,
0: man. man. We already we talked about that. Hard. Hard. It's on
1: YouTube. I think I'm going to do that. Um, Falcon Tire YouTube channel. <laughs> so
0: so Honda said Sorry, we can't can't continue. Um, you said okay. Kind of. I mean, there were there were some there were some longer conversations after that.
1: They were trying to give me an opportunity to get into a testing program with the NSX GT3 car, um, the NSX Academy. I was. I don't pumped. remember. If,
0: I was pumped when you got that test drive. Yeah.
1: So I got to test it once.
0: And I before you COVID, like, I remember you like working out and like yeah, really getting ready for that. Um,
1: when I lived under the fantasy that I needed to be ready to drive a GT3 car at any time. Yeah. But the there was a program, um, the NSX Academy, the GT3 Academy, I don't remember what it was called. But they were going to put me into that, and then when when, when they came back in and they were still going to do it, they didn't have the budget to let me do it, and okay. I couldn't afford to do it myself. Right. So when it when it came down to it, I couldn't afford to stay in the position I was in. Yep. And that's the reality. They, they tried to give me every opportunity they could.
0: Um, to give them every every you know benefit of the doubt, so yeah. I and just re- couldn't. <laughs> and the reality of again, in huge quotes, professional racing yeah. is that if you cannot provide either bring sponsorship with you or provide money to get in a seat, it is really hard to get a seat and retain it. And
1: and again, to be fair, I could tell that they hated telling me that. <laughs> But the reality was the only way that me or anybody else was going to get to be a part of that program was if they were paying for it yeah and people who were a part of that program have gone places with it that's great i wish i could have afforded it but i can't (laughs) yes
0: yeah and i remember at that same time too that again covid was happening and everything is we saw drivers from again like a level up Come down because all those programs and those series were struggling mightily. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, like TCR was populated with IMSA drivers and like GT3 drivers and stuff like that. So all of a sudden, like that kind of the range that you were at all of a sudden got pretty busy. Yeah. And I think this is kind of tied to
1: the COVID boom of of anything. Yeah. I don't know a friend or acquaintance that works in automotive, motorsports, whether they sell cars. Build cars, sell parts, make parts that didn't have their biggest year of 2020. I t- weird, right, right? Right. So those people in motorsports, yes. in automotive, in anything, they were ben- they were they were fortunate to have their biggest year. And I think a lot of racing series felt that too. They had a huge influx of people who were ready to go do something that they hadn't got to do before. Yep. Spend a bunch of money on it, whatever it is, and and you saw those those fields once they came back, they inflated and. <laughs> They got a ton of participants, which was cool. Yeah, you know, it created a lot of opportunities. But um, it was—it's kind of weird when you watch a bunch of other people like get these opportunities pop
0: up, and you're like, "Well, this sucks for me, but I'm glad for you." (laughs) So, at what point after this? Because I remember the weekend that you coached me at NCM. We went out and had delicious Mexican. Mm. And one of the lines that's still stuck in my mind for you is if i'm not driving like driving is part of my identity driving yeah. is part of who i am so at what point did you after that and like because i know you had like and i think properly you had a mopey season where well yeah because i
1: bought my own race car and then i remembered how bad i am at having my own race car <laughs> mid ohio was rough
0: for you it,
1: all of it was rough all of it was so rough like, there's a man in the paddock over there that felt so bad for me that he finally grabbed my car for me and fixed it. Yeah. And his name's Andy Spedicar. Yes. <laughs> but I, yeah. I ended up, I think it was around the time we did the podcast. I want to say that was summer, but maybe not. I bought my Honda S2000 from a, uh, an acquaintance in Texas and proceeded to think. I have a history of doing this. When I went out to Laguna Seca as my own person, no, no support system to do my first or second pro race weekend. Yep. Never thought it would be a bad idea. And then I was miserable for a lot of it, and it worked out. But there was never a moment where I thought, in in foresight, this is probably a lot of work and, a, and a, maybe a bad idea. Yeah. And again, I bought my Honda S two thousand. Money, I kind of didn't have. Never thought that this is maybe a bad yeah. idea. This this will be fine. You're so, you're such an optimist. <laughs> yeah, like you're. Like, <laughs> ignorance is bliss. Or ignorance. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm fair. Ignorant um totally fair so I, I i you know i bought it was essentially a a 13 year old race car it was a 2004 but built into a race car in 2007 okay. the year was 2020 yep so the, the thing was tired yep. and i got to rattle its bones harder than it had been in a while yes figure out everything that was broken with it
0: and not know how to fix it and not know how to fix it at all <laughs> i remember i really remember like a look of utter bewilderment and desperation at Mid Ohio, as you're like trying to figure out how to change a sway bar and like get some stuff. Like, and you're just like, it was clear you needed help, but it was also clear that like everybody was busy.
1: Well, it, it was it was twofold. I had I had some weird problems like the um, uh oh, I have to know car part names. The engine harness um, had heated so much. I forgot about this. That the the injector plugs some things had gotten too hot that they, okay. they basically disintegrated and i was having like intermittent vtech drops and stuff like that oh gotcha okay so luckily um ryan christoph had a friend there that knew exactly how to repin everything and just fixed it holy crap okay so there was like that was a that was a hard problem i was not going to fix that but then there were other things like <laughs> you know that people were watching me struggle and they wanted to help and it became so overwhelming for me to get that level of attention because i was that inept <laughs> that i I remember it started to rain and I knew I needed to change my brake pads.
0: Yeah. And the only
1: way for me to get a moment of peace and quiet to do a thing that I I did know how to do was to sit in the rain with, with nobody and change my brake pads. And it was actually great because I got to do something on my car that I knew how to do without someone over my shoulder, which again, super grateful for all the help. But it was so stressful to have constant attention for. You're right. You need help. You're right. You need help. You're right. You're <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, that's smart.
0: Which is... Which had to have been almost compounding tough because, like, they're asking and pointing out the things that you already feel and already know. Uh, maybe. But I don't, I don't think it was that. I think it's... Okay.
1: I'm naturally very introverted. I hate walking into a room and getting a ton of attention. I hate being... The point of that kind of thing, there was, fast forwarding to recently, I went to another event right after one lap, which we were uh, fortunate enough to win this year. Autocross? Uh, uh, It was uh, the Cheap Car Challenge that I bought that accurate for. Yeah. Yeah, autocross basically. And I walk in the hotel to three people I know and 40 other strangers. Okay. And the three people I knew had told all the strangers to clap when I walk in. Oh, God. Which is super flattering and amazing and my worst nightmare. Yeah, that's <laughs> so at mid Ohio, going back to 2020, it felt like I couldn't. I just wanted to be invisible and try my best. And people were trying super hard to help, which was simultaneously flattering and stressed me out so much and you it, gotcha there's no way to handle that right because if you ask people to leave you alone that's rude it's, if you it's almost there, there's no winning in that situation it's almost a I've you problem like how yeah. you
0: how you respond to it yep okay 100 yeah so yeah so you get the car and you slowly like start to real quick turn Oh, oh we're in turn three yep after turn three so like so the braking zone uphill but then drops away real quick before it you gain some elevation and some camber. Yeah. I don't do a ton like especially for how tight of a corner it is. I don't do a ton of trail braking there. Just kind of like a smooth off, but like quick kind of throw it in and then know that the camber and elevation is going to catch me. Yep, I agree with that. Okay, uh,
1: I always say turn three is more like an apex zone than an apex because <laughs> you start That's to fair. apex like really early, but then you just kind of stay there and turn three, if you look overhead is actually more of two bends yes. with a little bit of a straight in the middle.
0: It tricks it tricks you into wanting to
1: turn in early. Right. So you, you do turn in early, but then you need to th- let the elevation catch you and keep you tight. From that early point all the way to the exit
0: point, that makes sense. Looks like we had some off-track excursions here didn't yeah. it?
1: There was uh, a friend of ours that maybe made a cape for his S two thousand by going <laughs> off into these banners and then dragging the banners back
0: today. Today, oh my <laughs> yeah. god, I had, had nerves. That's amazing. <laughs> it's a super S two thousand. So the season kind of progressed, and I don't want to like document the build or anything, but you were getting a hold of the car. Kind and of. progressing, and at some point Andy Smedegaard said, maybe we should team up, or maybe... Kind,
1: kind of. He was he was very much a resource for me when I was consistently breaking my car. Sure. Because he was willing to he entertain S2000 my guy. messages. And yeah, I, what what I've since learned is he's highly motivated by being pushed by people around him, and he saw somebody that maybe was able to push him, not able to push him because I'm inept at most things. Okay, <laughs> and I think, I think it kind of turned from I can help and I want to be pushed into let's let's get you mm-hmm. help. Okay, and uh, that was a stage one. Um, I kind of progressively broke the car more and more over the season. Yep, in mostly harmless ways. Like I broke an axle and I broke a upper ball joint that had shifted and and this small stuff, but stuff that was enough to put me into a tailspin. Yep. And uh, I was also racing at the time under a budget of unemployment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that I was on 200 treadwear street tires against most mostly Hoosier cars, and
0: I remember talking it was to tough. you about all that. And like, I mean, you were you were trying to hustle, but like, like 15th was a pretty good day. But it's it's a tough hustle, and yeah. still club, what's considered club motorsports, yeah, to get like even like free product. That's hard, right? But to bring it back to where you started, I think
1: I felt like me because I was getting to race. So it still wasn't that bad. But my engine blew up at NOLA. um, And that was kind of the final straw. And I could tell that that something had shifted and Andy made me drift his 350Z. And we did tandems and triple runs on the skid pad and... We messaged a lot on the way home, and we talked about: Do we do an F series? Do we do a K series? Do we do a J series? Is there all sort? Of, you know, there's all these options. What makes sense right. for his knowledge, my budget, the options available? And in that time is when we kind of built that first. Like we're gonna. It was mainly just we're gonna fix Tom's car. <laughs> because <laughs> so I, that I'm not struggling all. Because
0: I remember talking to you, and it was in practice. Like it was first session at Nolan, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And I remember talking to you and you were like I I I can't fi- I can't fix it. I don't have the money to fix it. Yeah. Like you were
1: lost. Yep. It was it's happened twice, I'm sure we'll get to the second part, but the first time was <laughs> sure. well, I guess I'm done racing for a little while. Yeah. And it's the first time I've thought that ever.
0: And fortunately, I say fortunately. Fortunately, it was the last event of the season. Right. So, I mean, you kind of had almost some forced downtime in there. Yeah. And and time
1: that yeah, I could I could kinda lick my wounds and get myself together. Sure. Where it wasn't stressing me out. I mean I literally put the race car at the the storage facility at Uses in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> yep. For about three months and didn't think about it. And that was probably what I needed, but I was luckily able to do that because it was November. <laughs> and we live
0: in the Midwest. <laughs> As it turns out. Yeah. Um Yeah, and you made a physical move at this. Some point in this to Chicago. Yeah um, And that I mean, was, it would have been a
1: couple of weeks later
0: and that was a pretty big it pretty was big you deal. know
1: when I was w- w- Basically, I dropped out of college and moved moved home in 2010. Yep My dad yeah. had just opened his own business, which luckily for me was an indoor go-kart track. Yes. I, I defaulted this. into working there for a couple of years and got my own work and started working, you know, travel jobs Mostly doing ride and drive marketing activation type work. Okay. um, But also doing a bit of coaching and a bit of like, you know, instructional work for SECA and stuff. Yep. Short version is I lived on the road for north of 200 days a year for five, six, seven years Mm -hmm. as I shifted from that lifestyle into pro racing. Yep. And I never moved out of home. And COVID put me in a position where I was at home all the time forever. And I Playing didn't hate sim. it. <laughs> we don't talk about the Sim. No. <laughs> Playing the Simulator every day. Yep. Um, and, and Kyle Heyer got the job at Gridlife in that time, and he needed a roommate. And I was ready for any change. Yep. So I moved up there. Real quick. We're in turn five.
0: We are at the... <laughs> Hi, Pete. In between the... Love your hat. T- ...break zone Sorry. and the turn-in cone. Yep. The entry to turn five, I still feel like is a choose-your-own-adventure. <laughs> I just, I like, I've tried so many different things. I think I've tried too many things instead of like just choosing one and like honing in on it because I've seen, I've seen people do it so much. Like, I think this is the turn at Gingerman that I've seen so many people do so many different ways. Like, are they all successful? I mean, they, most of them stay on track, but again, like, (laughs) okay, what's quick like it's def- hard to say. Yeah, It's definitely, I know staying on the outside of five is not the fast way, like nor does right it right. help you rotate to turn into six. Right. But how soon, because I remember you looking at my video and like I'm turning in like a fuzz after the first break marker, which you're like, eh, it might be too, too quick, which I mm-hmm. totally get. So, but do you break going before the turn in? Or are you turning in, kind of straightening out, braking, then getting back to throttle, blah, blah, blah. I almost would say neither. I feel like I brake and turn it at the same time. Okay. But most of my I've time actually now, have a proper like one point five diff now, which is going to... Because I remember when you drove my car you kind of you knew it was yeah. under braking, it was diabolical, it was wiggling. rear end. Yeah. It's a lot more stable now, so it's like now I feel like I can actually do some of those combination braking, turning and know that the back end is not going to like do some real funky stuff on me
1: without the details of where we're standing currently just past turn in i always tell people turn five is all deceleration zone to get to the outside turn in point for turn six so whatever gets you to the turn in point for turn six which happens to be the exit point of turn five the fastest do that interesting um And I think that you are correct in that there's a little bit of variety, but you you basically want a straight line from your turn in point just past the second brake marker. Yep. Uh, It's not where we're standing at the turn in cone. Yeah, you turn in before that. You turn in before that. And then in, in the S2000, it's just enough, you brake just enough to downshift. And then you ride the top of third like close to the rev limiter all the way to that turning point out there
0: Now do you accelerate right before you get to that outside? Sometimes,
1: okay Sometimes I break sometimes I accelerate That's sometimes. I'm doing a little bit of both like there's 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 a lot of, of play to keep the momentum up to get to that point yes. But whatever gets you to that outside turning point between five and six for as some fast re- as possible for
0: some reason that again, like in the the weekend you and I did together Somehow instantly reminds me of turn one at NCM. Yeah. Where you're exactly just trying to like ride the edge of grip as much as you can until you get out there, do whatever you need to do to get the car to turn and rotate to get back on throttle and carry through six. Right.
1: There are plenty of corners all over the place that are deceleration zones for the following corner. Yeah. And if you're treating them separately, like one is a corner, the next is a corner, you're probably under driving the first one. Yeah, interesting. Um, Turns three and four at pit race would be another example. Um, that's I s- more like I still need to get there. Yeah, that track's awesome. Maybe later this year. I'd, maybe. There's uh there's plenty of corners like that where you would go through the corner as fast as possible just to get to the position to get into the next corner. And yeah. where we're standing now towards the apex of five, although we should be about four feet left. So <laughs> <laughs> over let's, here. Let's get over three, here. Three, two, one. Not on this curb, but yeah, close. Half a car width from it. Yep with so much speed that you have to then control what happens from this point to that turn in
0: okay and then either lift or touch a brake or a little bit of throttle and then lift or whatever you need to do to get the car rotated.
1: typically when i get out to that turn in point it's a pretty aggressive dab of the brake just to drop the nose and really put it into turn six gotcha and then what's interesting about turn six is they have this new pavement here yeah and if you see it goes uphill on exit yep so the car gains grip both from the pavement and the terrain especially in wet especially in the wet but even in the dry you you don't realize the car is going loose on you until like past the apex on throttle yes exit and it's not because you were on throttle too early and broke traction it's because you're gaining grip from terrain and pavement that all of a sudden the car's rowdy loose yep. (laughs) and you're basically out of the corner and you didn't realize it was going to happen yep
0: yeah if i'm like almost like four wheel drifting or at least like a little bit of rear end slip angle as you brush past the apex of six like that's kind of how i know that i'm doing it right really doing it properly and sight line through here this was some early on in my driving was like one of the tougher sight lines because if you're only looking point to point this entire thing is yep. rough. Use your driver window. Yeah. <laughs> Not you specifically. No, no, in have... general, you got to use it here. No, but me too. So so you moved to Chicago. Yeah. Um, and how was that change for you? So the car went in storage, yeah. kind of had, had to forget about it, chose to forget about it, mm-hmm. moved to a new place with a new person, was... Was that good for you, like mental, like spiritually, mentally, emotionally? How did that go? I would say
1: overall it was important. I don't know if I would define it as good or bad. It was the okay. first time I've lived on my own. Um, I I went yes, to college for right. for about nine months total, um, and I lived in a dorm. So I guess you kind of count that as living on your own. But okay, this was the first time that as a almost thirty year old person I moved out of my parents' house. Yep, and um, it it was a lot of like different learning curves. There were some really exciting things that I was interested in moving to Chicago for. Mm-hmm. Um, grid Life Space there, yep. and Autobahn Country Club is there where I have some connections that I was looking forward to maybe getting to work there. Yep. Um, Which I, I really like the
0: way that track races. Yeah, it's cool. I, I can't wait to go back. Like, I I don't care for the place or the paddock situation, et cetera, <laughs> yeah. et cetera, but like, it's always how it races, yeah. I really enjoy. It is cool. anyways. And you were seeing somebody
1: yeah, so that was all Chicago-centric and, and none of it went anywhere, really, um, as far as changing my life or anything. But okay, I think it was important for me to finally move out and finally start to take you know some ownership of what I was going to do with my own time. Because honestly, when I was racing for Honda, I felt pretty kept. And especially the last year I was on a full contract. Hmm. The main commitment for my time was to go to the races they wanted me to go to. And then I felt a lot of duty to go to things that I wanted to go to and tie it to Honda, which I think was a strength, but also there wasn't a lot of, you know, if I wanted to go sit by the neighborhood pool at my parents' house for a Monday, I would. And that was not really, you know, that's not really Mm. how adults live most of their lives. Um, So I I was very fortunate to live that lifestyle, but I think it was important for me to kind of break out of that and get back to a reality where I have to make my own money and I have to be aware of things like rent or things like you know there's yeah. there's, there's those those last yeah. bits of growing up that you don't do until you have to yeah and, and uh, it's that yeah. was the important part of being in Chicago I
0: think and I've never seen that come without stress and anxiety oh for sure like unless you unless you have financial backing which again like are you doing it on your own at that point right um so I was living there um
1: I moved there December, 2020. So that was like second COVID shutdown era. Yep. And the, the biggest challenge with that was yeah, there, Chicago there really did, didn't it? Well, any That's city. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I thought it would be a little bit more social than it was, okay. um, especially with, with a lot of people that I know quote unquote from Chicago. You don't realize how big Chicago is until you, or any city until you go there and you realize that person, you know, lives an hour from you still. <laughs> and, and it really was <laughs> yeah. fairly solitary. Um, and pretty challenging to to kind of feel normal, I guess. So sure. I, I would kind of white-knuckled through a bit of it, but I knew I was moving yep. at some point. And the question was, do I move to Ohio where I'm from or do I try something else? Yes. That one took a little while to figure out.
0: Fair. I mean, yeah, moves on their own, like the physical location is – totally seems in service to something else like the reason why you move to certain places is because you either know somebody or there's a job opportunity or there there's something like you unless you're retired and you just like want the view yeah i until you get to that point where you kind of have that luxury to be able to do it like the reason why you move to places is so that you can dot 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 right so at this point can I just say, we're entering Please. turn seven, but
1: I'm really not the biggest fan of Gingerman as a racetrack, but it's one of my favorite places to be because of what's off to our left. Somehow we get the best yeah. sunsets, we get the best view, the best like nature. Is that fair to say?
0: Yeah. It's just beautiful it is. to be here. So let's actually do this while we're recording. Is and this our... Come here. <laughs> we'll, we'll just get like our silhouettes in the background. Oh my Please. God! What just happened? Well, you got More <laughs> Scott just flashed <laughs> us. Oh no! That is tragic. Let's go. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm sorry. You have to use that. Now. Oh yeah, that's that is <laughs> absolutely the thumbnail for this. Um, and if you're listening to this, you know why. You're welcome. That's my face. Um, all right. So Chicago. The, yep. So at at some point, you're trying to figure out financially, like, how can I just subsist on my own? Yeah. How can I make money so that I can make rent, make utilities, and hopefully, again, part of who you are, do race car things. Right. Yeah. So how... Let's jump ahead to what you're doing, and then let's talk about how you got there. I think that might be easier to do. Right. So you're currently... Living in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. You are teamed up with ASM. um, Kind of in a mutually beneficial arrangement. I hope so. And um, you are doing coaching in several different avenues. Different types of coaching. I think that is really interesting. So why don't you talk about like your the different types and what kind of what you offer.
1: Is this my sales pitch? Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I did a podcast with somebody else that felt like an ad for myself the whole time. And it was very strange. Well, I, I remember,
0: but, I want to preface too. I remember calling you, what was it early? It was early this year and just being like, Hey, I know you're doing this kind of coaching. Like, I kind of want to do some of this too. And like me calling you felt like like, for some reason, like, just felt, like, super aggressive. Like, hey, you're <laughs> coaching. I want, I'm want. i coaching, too. Um, I just want to be sure, like, that I'm not stepping on your toes. No, but, I'm... like, it felt super awkward to me to call, and I hope you didn't feel that way. No, I totally get why you feel that way. Okay. And I
1: also was flattered that anybody would think to. I mean, I think it's fair that we all exist in this same little space. We're we have playing to in the same pool. Yeah. And that goes I'm for, driving a different race. That goes for <laughs> hobby. That goes for business. Fair. That goes for any of it. Um, but to your original question, yes. um, yeah, I, I started instructing, I will say, mm-hmm. um, autocrossing when I was 17. So that's 13 years ago now. And I had to do a lot of work on myself to become a pretty good instructor. And then mm. where I define the difference of instructor and coach is, is a little blurry, but I think coach is way more personalized and instructor is way more format based if, that's, sure. if you can boil it down to that, an instructor teaches a format that's given to them by someone who designed it, and a coach f- designs what you do based on your needs. yes, and yes. obviously that comes with more more attention from the coach. It comes with more financial investment to do the coaching, whatever um, it's
0: and i've I've talked with Andrew Raines about this too, like instruction you are not totally, but you're trying to fit your student. Into what you are doing. Yeah, it's
1: curriculum based.
0: Where you're coaching, you are formatting what you are doing to your client. Right. Okay. Yep. Exactly. Um,
1: so I, I was instructing for a long time. And I accidentally, I would say, started coaching because I would come to Life events. Yep. And as much fun as I would have all the time, I would generally be kind of bored during the you're day. you bored. When everybody else was doing their thing. And yep. I, I would come to hang out. And it started just by, Tom's here and he'll drive your car and and hopefully it helps. Maybe put a light bulb in your head
0: or something. Or, hey, if you've got video or if you've got data. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it was was when I was racing for Honda. I didn't need money. And it it helped me start to groom my ability to give people feedback on that tailored coaching level rather than just instruct.
0: This was
1: 2017, 2018.
0: I also remember talking to you about like hey do you have time if I come and do this and you're like yeah nobody's actually taking me up on this <laughs> yeah. and I couldn't fucking believe it you <laughs> idiots yeah that must be you been, should have gotten in on the ground floor sure
1: <laughs> anyway <laughs> uh, yeah and it was partially selfish because I was bored but it, at the same time it it got that little that little snowball goal going at the very tippy top of the hill Sure. and that helped me not only groom what i feel is my ability to do that but also hopefully maybe give me a little bit of inspiration that i could actually do it yeah. what are looking at that moon moon it's pretty isn't it i
0: love how like even with the little sliver like you can see the light kind of bending around the yeah. backside, so you can still like it, that's a ball just hanging up there isn't that insane anyway. god i have a question okay how do you take turn nine how do i how this do is, I, is I, turn eight how do you take eight <laughs> no, no, I okay. how do you take eight to nine and how do I hit the body? I am I Oh know. Know. no! All right, all right, all right. Alright. It's it's fair question. What you need to do is overcorrect and the car just hooks up into wet grass and you are just pointed at what you're pointed at. E brake And <laughs> Okay,
1: but seriously, how do you all take yeah. seven,
0: eight, nine? I do remember though, that is the only time I've passed Tom under green flag conditions in that crappy red spec Miata oh, yeah. of Ben's <laughs> where you sent it off turn eleven and I remember telling Becky over the radio, I just passed Tom O'Gorman, I don't care what car he was driving. <laughs> and then like and then like a lap later you caught up and passed me again. But I was that was a that was a race of highs and lows for me. Sure. Was that the same race? Oh yeah. Oh dude that was that was the last lap or that was the last race of the season too. It and if, if of of course, the first person I see when I come back into paddock was Brad Adams, who's packed right next to me. And I told him what happened, and he just didn't like really react. He's like, "Man, that must have been a shitty race for you." And I'm like, <laughs> "God damn it! Danny all right, Brad. that's all right. Dad Adams then, then for
1: real." For real. How do you all take the seven, eight,
0: nine? Complex? Man, that could be its own podcast. So I. So, I'm going to say what I think Tom will say, and we'll see how close I can get, okay? Okay. So, heavily depends on how much horsepower you have, because I, again, like, school line, you want to get right up against eight, like, almost pointed, straight out, wait, and then turn in, but what I've been finding is, especially the lower the horsepower, like, you you want to connect those corners with a straighter line rather than because you just don't need to arc it as much to get a run out because you just don't have as much power. So I think depending on how much power to grip and arrow you have depends on how much you want to bend the corners versus straight line it. What do you think though?
1: I'm going to try to make it make sense. Um, I feel you need to accelerate out of turn seven having early early to central apex turn seven. Mm you're accelerating up to a point that you're at the lateral limit of the car, kind of like a skid pad, and time that lateral limit of the car to then tuck you skid pad style into turn eight. So that that will naturally kind of put you on an arc Mm -hmm. across from the left side to the right side of the track, Mm -hmm. which I think actually the fast way happens earlier than most people realize. That school line is late as shit. It is (laughs) (laughs) bad. You're asking a ton of the car to try to get it rotated. You're adding a whole extra corner to the track. You might as well have 11, how many? Twelve. You would add another corner in this whole sequence we're standing in. But anyway, you accelerate it, up to it, it that lateral 11. limit. It's eleven corners. It's 11. So you would have twelve if you're driving the school line because sure. you have to come. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. It's yeah. But it's a lot. you, if you can, if you can time perfectly the acceleration up to the lateral limit of the car and that lateral limit skid pad style tucking you into the apex of turn eight, then you just drive past the inside curb at eight. Cross your hands back. You be super patient. I've realized we're standing between the apexes of eight and nine. Really patient. You have to be very patient where we're standing. Aggressive transition and then patient until you hit the curb at turn nine. Yeah. Get to not hit. Tuck right up to it, and as soon as you pass it, you're home free to turn ten.
0: Did that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, what, okay. and what I'm finding hey. because you Man, I'm, because be that because no, that was that. one it's of the like things you the you <laughs> that was one of the things you helped me learn. Talking about uh slalom downhill slalom skiing. Yeah, um, is the quick hands sonato cross thing, helping your springs do the work for you. Yep. Um, is that what I had to learn directly after that is just because we talk about fast hands in transitions does not mean big hands in transitions. Right. That just because you're transitioning quick doesn't mean you're transitioning much. Right. And transition is steering. like if you can buy yourself some weight transfer did you do you feel how tacky this is right here i've been noticing that especially through here i think people are scrubbing so much yeah we're standing
1: where your right side tires would be if you did turn nine just a little bit wrong (laughs) and the pavement is tacky interesting
0: further further out than i would have thought yeah considering you really want to be like right on if not over that little concrete yeah patch um, yeah, that's one thing we noticed that Blackhawk was the uh, the tackiness in the big brake zones, like yeah. was palpable. Well, that's with where your feet. I think
1: that ties to rain driving.
0: Okay, so rain driving, yeah. you know, you can drive offline,
1: but I think most people don't connect that to the brake zones. And if you look at G forces on a racetrack, the peak G forces happen on the brakes, yes, not in the corners, yes, which means that the brake zones get the slickest because they're getting the most polished they're getting and, the most polished and right filled in all those gaps get filled in right so i find when i'm driving in the rain i make my most time on other drivers because if you know to move offline and go to where the aggregate is you can break at the same spot i mean
0: i cannot you can go way deep wait. in wait nobody has h2o's this year that's so good <laughs> everybody's on streets yeah like, dude i am i want rain every single weekend same. now <laughs> oh i can't wait <laughs> anyway um because i'm One of my highlights last year was mid-Ohio in the pouring wet, Mm -hmm. and I'm, like, fighting for my life on street tires, and I could not have been more stoked after that race. Yep. (laughs) Because every lap, about three or four times, I thought I was going to go off. Right. And the year before, I was in the same boat. We had all that rain. Yeah. Uh, You and I were both on Falcons? You were on Falcons. I had my, my way undersized ECSs. Oh, okay. And I remember driving down the back straight at about 30 degrees of
1: opposite lock and up the Thunder Valley, about 30 degrees of opposite lock, lap after lap, going, why am I doing this for 10th? But I can't stop myself. Exactly.
0: (laughs) And I was really- Now we're all gonna be in that boat. It's great. Uh, I'm, yes, I want it. So you're going to be telling us what you, this is what a track walk is like also. (laughs) You should talk about the track and you should talk about life at the same time. For sure. Um. You're things jump rope? are you? Oh break. my God! Fancy. Um, you're going to talk about what you do and offer in terms of approach. yeah. So
1: so all of that context I gave probably 20 minutes ago about this where this model came from, I guess. Like yep. You know, there's there's the the professional coaching model where you pay somebody a lot of money to come to the event you want them to come to. They give you all of their attention for the day, for the day or the day, weekend. Or the weekend. Yep. Exactly. Lots of people do that, and it costs a, a lot of money. Yes. And the clientele that i would know to do that well i don't know the clientele i know people like the people who are at this event no one has a thousand dollars
0: at this event to bring a coach that's not for how for a I'll, day for
1: a day yes, yes.
0: but some people which, do. which is and like that's great which is the standard rate i mean that's not exorbitant that's there are people at, at three grand a day yes are they're expensive it's, yes yes so and you know, they're great I, don't get me wrong but like
1: and and that model works. It absolutely to give somebody 100% of your attention. You watch them when you're on track. I mean, you you basically are their companion. Yes. Where I mean, you you form a bond that you don't get in a quick touch point kind of format. Yes. And you you help them in the car. You talk to them before. You're you're a mental coach. You're a physical driving coach. There there's everything. You're everything. In the same way that a Formula One driver often has somebody at their side that is. If nothing else, a rock for their mental state and their approach to the day when was the rhythm. last time
0: you drank water exactly let's look at data that is the, that try is the this next coach.
1: time you're out there the private coach should not just be here's where you can go faster done you're, you're you're a companion to that person, and that's why the personal relationship of a private coach is so much more important. It you isn't. can't just be a a walk, a walk in and, and be you know distant kind of thing
0: yes um.
1: So, so there's that, and I've done that before, and I do that now, and it's it's a lot of fun to do that. But For th- the
0: people that can... But I
1: know that it's hard, right? So, And yep. I come from the world where like, if I wanted to do that, I couldn't afford it. Sure. The so there was this other little thing that I was doing at Gridlife events where I was doing it with 10... I would drive 10 cars a day. Yep. And I realized that maybe I could do that in the same efficiency on a way more affordable model, but the quantity of it kind of creates a bit of a living for myself yes make me nervous so
0: oh you, you so you offer so
1: i do trackside coaching is what i call it it's sure. an event that i'm already at yep. just like i used to be
0: so it saves on travel costs because you're right. going to be there anyway you're
1: not being charged for me to be there you're not being charged to be the one getting all of my attention yep i have the time and the ability to give you, I still love you let's call it maybe Cadillac. one to two hours over the course of the event True. We talk one time for 30 minutes, and we talk three or four more times for 10 to 15. True. And you hopefully get something out of that, not only for that event, but you also get something to take to every event from the future to say, this is your tendency, work on this. This is your... your also the difference between seen.
0: instruction and coaching. Instruction right. like is typically also track-based, Right. where coaching is like you as a driver have these, like you said, tendencies, characteristics... Sure, and it, and it has to be, in my in my experience, it's
1: very video and data driven. Yep. So when I when I find these these tendencies on video and data, it's proven; it's it's right there. Versus, uh, I, I don't know the the curriculum model works to get you to a point, and, yes. then, and then it has to become personalized. And then I also have started doing remote coaching, where the idea behind that is, I think people need a support system. Sometimes to be able to grow themselves as a driver. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't have to pay a coach to come to the track with you every single time you do that. But if the coach can talk to you on the Tuesday before you go and the Tuesday after you went to give you a game plan and then after the event check in on what were the successes, what were the struggles, yep. how can we do better next time? And then we talk the Tuesday before the next one and the Tuesday after the next yep. one and we do that 10 times over the summer or we do that five times over the summer, however and it gets, many events And it doing. gets
0: more efficient because yep. you both, again, relationship, you get to know each other better. Exactly. You know their tendencies, their characteristics. Yeah, it just and, it gets easier the more you do it.
1: And it's amazing the feedback I've gotten working with someone in that way to say, I went to the track and instead of being stressed when I got there, I was ready to have a good time and I knew what I needed to do. Yeah. Um, or, you know, qu- it's it's mental. Y-
0: yes. Real but. quick, since we're here, we're at the entrance of turn 10. What I've been flirting with um, is this turn to me reminds me of the keyhole at Mid-Ohio in shape in that I've started to flirt with instead of staying all the way out and turning in from the outside is to, I don't wanna say pinch it, but aim my braking towards like mid track. Yeah. And then hooking it. It seems to cut more distance where I don't feel like I'm gaining a ton and just staying out there. Yeah. Cause turn 10, you you're, it's a downhill kind of off camber. I just, it doesn't feel like that extra speed getting carried in actually translates into
1: yeah i i find that you need to trail brake a lot coming in here so yeah. like when i go to the brakes it's again kind of just a downshift from third to fourth nope fourth to third and then as soon as i get that downshift done i'm starting to trail off and just really roll momentum oh, in smooth yeah positioning wise i don't turn in as early as i would for like the mid ohio keyhole yes but in a in a high horsepower car i am like almost track right coming into this corner so like the Corvette for the one lap Corvette for example. Well, yeah, I mean you're I'm prioritizing the acceleration off of turn nine so that ahead. I'm yeah. barely keeping it on the track coming into ten on the right. Sure, not the left, the right, and then I just cut the distance down into ten and get
0: the same run out. Yeah, yeah. Cause this this corner, I don't think it's ever felt good to me. It's one of those corners yeah. so it's like wow I've really nailed turn ten at yeah. <laughs> It's just like wow I was as smooth and made the most of what I had. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I don't know how to verbalize the sensation, but I feel in in our S two thousands, I have the sensation down to think that felt really good. Okay, but it's taken a long ass time to get to that point. <laughs> and that. driving the same car a lot, I mean, it's it's tough to get. I think Gingerman is a blanket statement. The flow of Gingerman doesn't really exist on the surface. It takes a long time to find rhythm sure. here, and that's why it's tough. It's basic to get to the you know percent. Sure. But it's
0: really hard to find the last ten here. Yeah, it's tough. We've uh, we have four people laying on the oh track well, next to each. Um, lay down. <laughs> have, have <you laughs> track napping? <laughs> you ever thought about flying to the moon? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were talking about Take, <laughs> taking about a bite. I, I would love to hear Scott's perspective on it. But uh, lay down. And th- look at the They're philosophizing about uh, looking at you, the stars uh, focus, like, let your and whatever, um, let your eyes defocus, you can see unfocusing stars than you'd see if you were, like, looking at stars. That's true. Yeah, that is true. But you can't look directly at it. A limitation of the eye is you can best have the uh, sensation and perception of light when you are not looking directly at the light source. So if you want to look at the moon most clearly, you look about 5, 10 degrees off it. And that's how you see contrast the best. There you go. Hey, I to... And you go. if you don't move, they can't see you. <laughs> I think that's dinosaurs. <laughs> I was about to say, that's Jurassic Park. That's shirt. dinosaurs. Oh, sorry. Um, so, this coaching model, I think you actually did a great job in like filling in why you chose this model. Yeah,
1: it's basically three different options at three different price points for three different reasons. And... I feel that it's important for all three to exist, and I've had great success with all three. But um, finding finding the reason for you to want the coach is the main reason you would pick one or the other. Yes. Um, and it's been tricky. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm willing to punt on any of the three at any given time because they all have their strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. But. So far, I've found kind of a variety of all three are helpful for different people. Okay, and it's turned into a so far for the first year sustainable living, not any worse than I've lived with in the past. So how? <laughs> fair, totally fair. Yeah, unfair. like it doesn't take a lot to to sustain yourself. So, you know, I'm I'm trying to foster it to grow. Where are we at?
0: We're good. I'm I'm double checking battery life. Oh, um, got one bar. Should be fine. So road america last year yeah um you... well can we can we preview before to the good part yeah so
1: so yeah i probably andy- i shouldn't jump to <laughs> yeah. that well we, we can't i'll do the short version <laughs> andy helps me get the car running we do a k swap on my s2000 um S- bushings i mean but yeah we ev- did ev- everything mild stuff to you know we did the the, the bushings we did uh The arrow was already there. I mean, a lot of it was already there. We did shocks, but it was only a change from old shocks to new shocks. Yep. But still. Um, The car didn't change drastically other than the power plant, other than um, I got Hoosiers. Yes. So I was on the competitive tire for the season, and the first race, sorry, the second race that I went out on Hoosiers, I won. Yes. And from that point on, I had Hoosiers, and it was
0: was literally the only reason I was successful. Yeah. Yeah. I remember because things happened to me that weekend. And yeah. uh, I remember like watching race four from the, from the uh, platform where everybody was. And that entire weekend, like you did little bites, little bites, like every single race. Yeah. So by race four, and you were finally in the position. And I
1: started race one and two on Falcons. And I could, it took me all I had to finish 17th. Yeah, Changed to Hoosiers, and I won. So that's the difference we're talking about with the tires at that point in time. But from that point on, I had Hoosiers for the rest of the year. Andy and I were able to win um, a dozen races between the two of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I finished fourth in the championship, I think, but I was always kind of right there, other than reliability issues working through my still old shitbox car.
0: You had a until motor failure at yeah. Autobahn, yeah. which led to heroic efforts <laughs> yeah um to do the swap and then even in the next race like coolant problems on the outlap, right sort of stuff but the good part of the season
1: yes had nothing to do with that the good part was as andy and i started working together in me bringing his car in my car up to his shop and i would go up and try to help and we would go to lunch and our our thing is mexican we as soon as he was like you want to go to lunch and i said yes how do you feel about mexican Love it. We sit down at lunch. I'll have a margarita.
0: I was about to say. I've, I've, I'm in. I've, this I've, guy's I've, great. I've, I've, I've heard about the margaritas. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so so we, we bonded over realizing we have a lot more in common with our goals, with our experiences, and with our thoughts on motorsports, people who make our living in motorsports but are not pr- pro racers. Sure. And we realized we're coming at it from two different angles. I have the coaching driving model. Mm-hmm. He has the race shop. Yep um, you know, car prep model. Yep. He obviously knows way, 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 way more about driving than I know about car prep, but we still cover a spectrum and sure. we have the option and the ability to create this overarching, you know, this tent pole of motorsports where we can do everything. Yes. We can do car prep, driver development, we can host events, we can do all this stuff. So yep. that started that ball rolling down towards what if we actually, we're still informally, I guess, but let's explore this option to work together yeah. and um, and that grew over the year into what it has turned into now
0: Tamo coaching and ASM yeah yep um, and just but road America still happened but road America <laughs> and so you did some pretty I'll say drastic arrow changes yeah to try to make a bullet um, yep. take as few points as possible yep but try to get the arrow that you need so you went from a wing to a spoiler yep you went I don't think you had a splitter but you definitely did an air dam built an air dam inside skirts and and the issue the root of it was we were
1: realizing we have a power to drag problem within a power to weight class yes so we have the cars at power to weight but we don't have the the, the power to overcome drag above 110 120 miles an hour drag is so a I thought
0: bigger deal we'll
1: take yeah. all the drag off of my car and I'll go faster and which you did <laughs> I did all the way into the wall at <laughs> into the concrete turn
0: 13 13 yeah yeah
1: the annoying part about that is I'd gone through turn 13 flat out that day two dozen times and that lap I don't know why my my best scientific explanation is the the spoiler that I built off the back, which was about four inches tall and ran the width of the car. Okay. As soon as it got the amount of sideways that the car snapped sideways, it stalled because it didn't have any end plates or anything on it. And the downforce went from maybe kind of a little to absolutely nothing. None. And I just could not save it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean so,
0: at, at those speeds hundred pounds here or there all of a sudden disappearing is Yeah.
1: Could be a thing. So, I went into the concrete at about 80 miles an hour, and that s two thousand I bought a year and a half before was Done. no more Done. and that was the second time in my racing career that I thought, <sighs> I guess I won't be racing for a while
0: yeah. <laughs> um, but you're back, and yeah, dude you're so the the new s two thousand that you're driving is largely black, and up oh until this weekend was pretty plain, yeah. And I love the <laughs> rainbow accents you put on Me this thing. Too. It looks so good.
1: I love that. Okay, do you remember the, the Lister Storm Le Mans car?
0: Lister Storm. This would
1: have been like Gran Turismo 2 era, like a big boxy Lister V12. It's never into and the whole video game black, thing, but, okay. but it has this like heatscape um, roof on it. So it's like all rainbow on the yeah, roof. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I accidentally kind of created something like That's, that it looks it, it looks, looks really good cool. I like it a lot <laughs> well, uh, if but
0: well hopefully you actually watch the Midwest live stream if not go back even though we haven't done it yet uh, time is a weird construct and look at Tom's car yeah. uh, cause it's very cool so the the car came to be because
1: I, I obviously crashed my car um, yep. my teammate Zach Actually, let me race his car the the following weekend.
0: I forgot about that.
1: Not only that, he put me in his car the next session. An hour later, I remember talking to
0: you about this, and you were super humbled.
1: Well, yeah, because you know, well, first I, I had just wrecked. Right. Who put someone who just crashed into their car? But also, it was massively helpful for my psyche because I had just wrecked and I didn't understand why. Yep. And. I I didn't do anything different that lap. I didn't ask for it. I didn't change anything. And I think it would have been easier if I had, but I didn't. And Zach put me in his car and the first time I went through turn 13 in his car with the proper arrow, I realized that a monkey on their first session could go through that corner flat in that kind of car. And it made me realize that the arrow setup that I had built was so bad (laughs) that I was going to crash that day. No matter how much I was trying not to crash. Sure. And someone with less experience than me would have crashed probably on their outlap. It was that bad. And I built the arrow so I can say that (laughs) it was all (laughs) me and I was I was chasing something that I shouldn't have been chasing. So for him to give me that peace of mind to say I was asking for it in a different way and I should have listened to the warning signs, but I didn't do anything wrong in that moment as a driver. Helps me sleep
0: at night, even if I I still sound a little delusional. (laughs) I remember that being a thing um, when I was water skiing is it's inevitable in ski jumping, which is a crazy, unique, weird sport in and of itself that if when you wreck, if you don't break any ribs, which is super common because you're doing crazy amounts of speed up a six-foot ramp. Yeah. Is that as soon as you physically can get on a pair of skis, yep. put your helmet on in your crash suit, you have to you have to do it again. Get back on the horse. You have to because mental. It's and it's not a physical thing. It's mentally. Yeah. You have to know that you can do it. Maybe not immediately at the level that you were, but you have to know that. Okay, this. I'm not going to catastrophize what just happened that I can move forward so I'm glad that Zach Zach's a good
1: guy incredible yep we love Zach so so I got to race his car at the end of the season but I I was basically thinking it's going to take me a while to get back out financially sure um, a friend from S2K Takeover um, on Instagram, Brad. They host events and stuff with mostly S2000s. Mm-hmm. He reached out and said, "It looks like uh, you need a shell." And I've been sitting on this shell for years, just in case I had that happen. I'd I'd love to offer it to you. So I bought that, and I was thinking I'll just kind of slowly build my car back up. Yep. The the driveline, the engine, this trans, the diff, all that was still good, but the the chassis was destroyed. Yep. And. Uh, I don't know when it happened exactly, but Andy decided that that was not going to be a slow process and we're going to finish it for Coda. Yeah. And in like two and a half weeks, it went from,
0: well, like three weeks, it went from shell to caged running race car. And like all, like the culmination of everything he has learned about S2000 race prep. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Went into that car. Absolutely. It was these parts, this setup.
1: Yeah, it was. It's still. It's still getting there as far as the, the overall fine tuning, um. But the efficiency with which that car was turned out was assembly line level that you could not have unless you, know that car inside and out. Yeah. Every, every inch of that car, and it's it's so well built. I mean, it's it's finished every race since it was built. It's one four of the twelve it was in. Um, it was. It was amazing to be a part of and I also learned a lot because we started doing YouTube videos Yeah, and we started by documenting the build on that car um, Which is something I've always wanted to do so it it, that's another thing that you know working working with somebody who has similar goals in motorsports I never would have started vlogging on YouTube with by myself But now I've got at least one other person that thinks it's cool and uh, and we get to do it together
0: nice So we are we're not very far into this season, no. Um, I mean, grid life. We did. Uh, you did Coda. We're uh, doing everything. You're everything. Every single thing. Kay. Yep. Yep. Um, where's he going? I don't know where to go. Go to the inside. It's a tractor. Tractor. We got. We gotta finish our lap anyway. Um. The. Uh,
1: they're about to get hit with a jet dryer. <laughs>
0: they don't know it. Yeah. Oh, he's so nice. He we, turned it off for them. We, we definitely went the right way. Did um, Coda. We did Atlanta. Yep. Um, not Road Atlanta. And what was after NCM? NCM. You did NCM. Yeah. Uh, one lap, which was a good time. Yeah. Uh, real quick. Because, again, I can't say I know you super well, but I've been around you enough to see. I was about to talk to you as soon as you came off the track at Putnam after the second <laughs> yeah. session. And I was about to come and talk to you, and I, when you parked the car, I looked at your eyes and knew now is not the time. <laughs> because... Something happened, I didn't know what, but that you needed a minute to collect and ground yourself. Like, I didn't know if you did super bad (laughs) or if you got scared out of your wits or what, which I've later learned was the latter. (laughs) Um, Not even that, no, uh, I guess.
1: I don't know if you maybe need some context to One Lap of America, but we you know, you're, I mean these people probably heard about it, right? You guys talked about it yet? Oh we we, we talked about it. Yeah, I thought we so. talked about it. So on, on One Lap, where are we? We are on What's the all this grass? straight. I think this is part of what he's blowing oh, <laughs> off. of. That. he's he did a U-turn probably. Yeah. So we were on a rally cross course. <laughs> so so on One Lap, I mean it's it's this slow build because it takes so long for the event to happen. Yes. I think everything happens on a delayed Reaction. Yeah, so you you realize you've started competing Within maybe two to 24 hours of you already did start competing like <laughs> when you finish the wet skid pad You're like, oh shit. It started. Yeah, and everything kind of delays like that, right? So throughout the week And it's so so fast-paced you
0: don't get a you don't get a chance. To like yeah, it's reflect.
1: It's both super slow and super fast. It's it's strange to describe but throughout the week, you know, we're traveling with Andy and Alex Basically, on the road, we get dinner half the time together. We're in constant contact, but they are also our closest competition. Yes. And I don't feel competitive towards people on one lap somehow. Two, two years running anyway. It feels like it's my event to do how I do. Sure. So I don't feel there was a lot of competitive energy towards it, but there probably is <laughs> subconsciously. I, um you, your Putnam was hours. the last day, and yes. it was raining. Challenging th-
0: conditions.
1: <laughs> yeah. Morning session was pretty normal, and I don't know, I, I can't tell you now either what happened the second session, other than it was the kind of session that you, you chase your entire life and you do motorsports for. It seemed <laughs> like you went, you went somewhere else. Yes, it, it was the closest thing to a religious experience I can say I've ever had, in that I was so focused, and in, I, I can remember the whole thing. It wasn't like a blackout. I can remember everything Just that complete happened. complete flow, but a hundred percent flow state. In like it wasn't even it wasn't even that special. Like I went slower in the afternoon than the morning. <laughs> right. It was
0: more wet, but whatever. But in it, the afternoon, it conditions got significantly better as the run groups went. Sure. And you gapped first place, which was you, to second by not a small margin. And sure. you had the worst conditions. But I
1: don't think it was, again, I don't think it was competitive-based. It was something about being so in the zone, in the car, yeah. doing... It, it was the closest to myself that I've felt in a long time, in a way. Interesting. It, I, think I, used to, I think I used to tap into that more than I do now. And I, I don't know that I did, but I've never felt that way in a car before. And I don't know if it's because...
0: I was going to say, why, why do you <laughs> think that it is? I don't know. Like since it's, professional quote again professional motorsports or when when was the last time you can put your finger on that even resembled never (laughs) no it was it was just this very intense
1: like it took me a long time to calm down and catch my breath and stop shaking and i knew what i had done was the, everything that I could ever want to do in a car like I, I, I'm my own worst critic and I couldn't go through that and say I should have done anything differently And I it didn't have anything to do with the co- the competition. All right? but I also knew that we'd done really well and It, it was it was so intense. I, I, I find the fast uh, the, the psychology of all this fascinating. Yeah, and I wish I could describe it better other than it was the coolest feeling and I'm glad it happened, but also the most mysterious like post-session thing that's ever happened because I I mean I literally couldn't stop shaking and then the next day when we finally finished the event that kind of came back and it was it was like layers of this this intense emotional feeling towards it's it's a a car event that doesn't matter much on the grand scope of things but sure
0: so the I guess my question would then be like how do you learn to trigger and harness that for the future
1: you know the only thing that was different for that session than any other session was steve and i are teammates on one lap he told me going into that day no he told me going into that year Like you know yes we started in may he probably told me in february march this is the last year that you and i are going to do one lap together like this i have other people i want to do it with i have other cars i want to do it with totally get it absolutely perfect um, so I knew that that last day of one lap was likely the last time I would drive that car on one lap
0: with Steve. ever with yeah, Steve yeah. Exactly.
1: and I told myself before that session this is the last time you get to do this one song yep. yeah and I even like Honda got cut short um yeah, all, I, all of it like yeah yes you, you never really, go,
0: really knew that that was going to be your last a, race with Honda Right,
1: in a, in a, or in, a, in an ever way You know, that maybe a little bit morbid But you don't ever go on track thinking This is the last time I get to do this Enjoy it And I th- maybe if you did that every time I think the value would be lost But also maybe you would be more In tune with what's happening And enjoy what's
0: happening more So this, this may be super lame And this might be really loud behind us too Yeah <laughs> But that reminds me of the <laughs> formerly, like, super famous author Stephen Covey, The Seven su- Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Okay. And one of the things was begin with the end in mind. And that, that thing's kind of stuck with me. It's like, do things with the intention of how you want to end them. Yeah. And to have that clarity, like, and I'm even, like, in my weird brain, I'm thinking, like, if you knew when you died, that's what man, I'm saying. It's maybe like, a little bit morbid, but <laughs> I. But again, like I imagine the power. The reason why so many old churches had cemeteries next to them, I think. Remind yourself, like, this ain't lasting forever. Yep. And the fact that you, I, th- God, I'm I'm not gonna come up with a word right now, but you had the privilege of knowing that this is it yep you don't get another redo have fun enjoy it put your race car and perform yep and i think that's pretty it was it was fascinating just to look at you just in general but um (laughs) whatever (laughs) i had to um but just like after that session like you were shaking Yeah, your eyes were like you'd seen a ghost. I mean, (laughs) I mean, it was bizarre to just observe you experiencing the come down from that experience.
1: It still gives me chills to describe it, but I think the
0: best I could quantify
1: it as is exactly that. It's for all for all I know, it was that session, or it was those two years of getting to do that um, over two of the rougher years of my time. That like this is the last time you get to drive this badass car on a racetrack. In this kind of event, like go enjoy that fighting for the win. And oh, and the other thing that happened—I don't know if uh, if anybody like listens to music before events or, or, or sessions—but this car had a full stereo system and stuff. And the drop on the song I was listening to before that happened the moment the guy pointed us from grid, awesome. and it was like I—you could tell me it was just that, just the drop of it was um, "Automatic" by Oliver if you want to look it up. But the drop at the beginning of that song happened the moment the guy pointed us onto the racetrack. And from that moment, I think it was sealed. It was like, this is the session. Because it was just too perfect. But also, it could be this whole big, you know, uh, existential thing.
0: (laughs) I don't know. That has been a track walk of Gingerman Raceway. (laughs) Holy cow. With Tom O'Gorman. We are back at the start-finish line. The tower is lit up with Gridlife's patented turquoise and purple lights.
1: That was better than a track tips. My track tips are pretty good, I think, most of the time. They're solid. That was better than track tips.
0: I I really enjoy this format. (laughs) Like, dude, I need to find somebody to pay me to do this, because I would do this all the time as long as I got to drive later, too. Yeah. Um, Socials, where can people find you, learn about what you do? Oh, um,
1: tomo racing t-o-m-o racing it'll pop up i'm sure or asmotorsports.us yep.
0: um i'm on there a little bit too yeah thanks for taking the time to do that it's uh, fun so <laughs> it's a blast uh midwest festival uh we are competing for the next two days the event itself goes for the next three uh there's a lot of stuff that happens and hopefully you watch the live stream because this is being recorded in the past and we're talking about the future so uh we are at track walking podcast on facebook and instagram please rate review us like smash buttons and things like that um but for the two of us here i'm scott and i'm tom we'll talk to you next week